you when you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, guys. It's Carl Dukes. Put him up along with my man Brian Baldinger, Jason Lacanfora, part of this podcast as well. We talk all things NFL. And this is a really interesting time right now because we've got OTAs going on. We told you guys on our last episode how important OTAs are, at least for young guys and rookies. And then we're going to get to a lot of teams next week getting into mandatory minicamp. And then, guys, they take a break. And everybody kind of goes away. And then they come back. And it's time for camp. So right now, there's a lot of teaching, a lot of stuff going on. But, Baldy, you've been able to go to a couple of camps. You're going to Pittsburgh, I understand, next week. You're going to get a chance to to visit with the Steelers? Yeah. So, you know, I know we we touched on this. Today is – Thursday, uh, June 9th, for everybody listening, but uh, or Friday, June 9th. So we, we visited on Wednesday, Carl, and we were talking about, I think OTAs are important. Uh, and one of the reasons, even Nick Sirianni talked about it yesterday with the Eagles, uh, Carl, is you really get a chance to really study, practice, and prepare situational football. I mean, it could be anything, yep. Carl. Yep. It could be, you know, uh, finishing out a game, uh, you know, uh, understanding the clock. It could be penalties. It could be, I mean, any part of this game, because these games can be swung on one play, one decision. Um, And so uh, when to challenge, when not to challenge. I mean, all these things can be talked through, walked through, discussed. Like, I just think situational football is something that, well, we got X's and O's and we've got this new coach and here's the system. Okay, it's all good. That's all important. We got to install this. You know, that's one thing. And then I was at Dolphins practice uh, Wednesday afternoon, Carl, and I was talking to Tua. And I saw him do a drill on Wednesday. He he did bootlegs right and bootlegs left for 20 straight minutes, throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill. And I was saying to myself, man, Tua's been running a bootleg for a long time. (laughs) He did a drill, literally 20 straight minutes. So Tua Mm. said – he goes, we're just drilling down, Baldy. We're drilling down right now. And I keep asking Mike, Coach McDaniel, hey, when are we going to install this new stuff and this fun stuff? And he goes, we're going to get there. We just want to make sure we're doing everything, every basic thing properly before we get to the next step. And sometimes it's just the, the rehearsal of those mm. basics that are just so important, Carl. It's a great point, Baldy, uh, because I got a chance to visit with Arthur Smith this week for the Atlanta Falcons, and he was stressing the same thing. You know, Desmond Ritter's a young quarterback, and he was talking about repetition and putting him in these positions to make sure they're – he used the word stressing him, right? Yeah. We want to make sure that, you know, the throws that he's going to see on Sunday, we got to present that to him now and let him see what that looks like in a real, you know, live, live situation. But Arthur described the OTAs as passing camp. You know, he said, this is passing camp because we're throwing it around to your point. And I think that's a great example of what's happening around all these other camps. I think all these quarterbacks, Baldy, are doing similar things when you talk about the repetition, the rehearsal of getting it down and making sure we're all on the same page. Let's talk about another thing that happened um, yesterday, and that is the release, basically, of, of Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is coming off of four 1,000-yard seasons. He's got 52 touchdowns in his career, and he's 27. So, Baldy, you know, you see this and you go, wait a minute, guy's not 34. He's 27. 
He's still really damn good. And it's got me wondering, okay, you said this a while back. If he goes to Miami, look out. They've got running, they got a running game. They've got all these weapons around Tua. But obviously, they're going to be some other potential suitors for a guy like Dalvin Cook. This is interesting, Baldy, because Cook is now, you know, you look at that that class, right? Who came out of that class with all of those running backs? And they're all pretty damn good. I think it was well, Fournette. Well, Fournette, Fournette McCaffrey, Kamara. Yeah. They all came out. Aaron Jones came out of that draft, fifth round pick out of Texas, El Paso. Um, he got hurt his senior year at El Paso, and so he fell in the draft. But, you know, Aaron Jones has over 60 touchdowns in the same amount of time. Like, I don't know if anybody's better, but, you know, Fournette's been hurt. You know, he's been to two teams. Um, you know, Kamara got hurt last year and has missed some time. McCaffrey has missed parts of two full seasons. Uh, Dalvin has missed time, not a lot, but he's missed time. He's had surgeries like these running backs get beat up. And then if you go, okay, we've got a salary cap. Our quarterbacks take up sometimes as much as a quarter of the salary cap. Our stars are going to get, you know, big chunks of it. And to pay Dalvin $12 million, not about Dalvin's ability. They can put up all the measurements. Okay. Uh, you know, cause I saw all this stuff about his backup and, you know, Alexander Madison, who's a good player. Yeah. Not, not for one second do I believe Alexander Madison is better than Dalvin Cook. I don't care how many metrics you want to put up. He's never carried the load the way Dalvin's carried the load. We'll see what happens when he gets that opportunity to do it. However, um, Dalvin can still play. It's just a question. I'm sure there was talk during the draft, Carl, because you want to move these guys, move before the draft. But, you know, there was talk about that. But no, none of these players, including Zeke, you know, and the other guys, you know, and including Saquon, none of these guys want to take a, a pay cut. You know, they all want maximum dollars because they know that their careers are in limbo at any point. So I mean, that's, I think, where Dalvin is at. He's like, okay, like, they've, you know, I'm sure they negotiated without knowing all this stuff. I'm sure he negotiated with Minnesota about a pay cut, a haircut, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. He's like, no, I'll take my chance on the market. And, you know, Dalvin's, I was just in a restaurant the other day, Carl, here in South Florida. He's in the same restaurant with his brother. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I'll say this about Dalvin. In that class that I mentioned, he was my favorite back. He went in the second round to Minnesota. But you, any, and, I, and I've sat down in the film room with Dalvin. That man loves this game. He, mm. like, he's going to bring in energy and passion every day to a team, to an offense, like you're going to want to be in a huddle with Dalvin Cook. If you're, if he comes to Miami and you're going up to Buffalo, you want him coming out of that tunnel in Buffalo with your team. I mean, he's just that type of player. So yesterday, Dalvin Cook posted on Instagram. You know, it's all about Insta with these guys, right, Baldy? I mean, it's all about the Insta. So he posts a picture. He's obviously in a, in a Viking uniform, but he's dancing it looks like it's after the game it looks like the vikings have won and beat miami i don't remember where that picture you know comes from but the insinuation was hard rock stadium <laughs> dolphins right that this is like hey look at what i could do in this stadium and so everybody was freaking out you know tom pelicero covers the league and he does a great job and he like put that out there and people were like freaking out but but i'll say this we talk about purple eight right Kirk Cousins. And you guys know, if you listen to this podcast, I, I was not a believer last year in the Vikings. Um, they folded like a cheap suit when it came time to be, you know, in the moment. But how much pressure did he take off of Kirk Cousins to your point about who's going to step into those shoes? 
because you could hand the ball off to Dalvin. You could hit him on the on the, the quick hitter, and he was going to get you six, seven, eight, ten yards. And I just don't think people realize how much better he made Kirk Cousins and wherever he lands, Baldy, how much better he's going to make that potential quarterback. But he's also excellent in blitz pickup. I mean, he, he just he's just as tough as they come. Now, he's a Miami kid. Like, you know, believe me, I'm, I'm here in South Florida. It, I mean, it's a good place to be. There's a lot of juice inside that team right now, a lot. And Dalvin's only going to bring a little bit more. And that's not to say anything about Raheem Mostert or Jeffrey Wilson or Devon Chain, who they drafted. But I think Dalvin is one of those guys that could make everybody, including two, including the coach, make him better. And now, I'm not putting him here. There's, there's a lot of things that have to happen. Um, but we know that the owner, uh, just by some of his actions in recent years, is hungry to win. He was at practice on Wednesday. Uh, Stephen Ross, he was out there watching everything. I'm sure that he has sat down and, if somebody wants to present, this is a, this is a guy. It could be a big ticket item, but he's going to make us better. Like, I mean, if you got to sign off from the owner, I don't think the owner's going to have any problem trying to figure out salary cap and writing that check. Guys, it's in the huddle. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes with you. Jason Lockhart for a part of this podcast as well. Make sure you check us out on YouTube, www.youtube.com slash at in the huddle pod pod and you can check us out on youtube guys we're there now as well i want to ask you about running backs let's just stay right here in this realm for a second brian why are teams shifting to not pay these running backs so we saw the cowboys release zeke the falcons draft a running back and people went crazy so did the lions but are we in a in a realm right now baldy where you draft a guy He's there for four years. You don't pay him, and then you go draft another guy? Because a lot of teams seem like that's the cycle we're in right now, no matter how good these guys are, including a guy like Dalvin Cook, who arguably is worth the money, but the Vikings say, hey, we can't do this at that position. Well, I think uh, I remember being on a field uh, in Dallas when Bill Parcells was the coach, and Wilbert Montgomery was coaching the Lions running backs, I believe. Detroit was playing Dallas. The old Eagles was, running backs? I, I was good friends with Wilbur. Yeah, yeah. And uh, always have been. And Parcell sees him, and he waves him over. And he just says to Wilbur, he goes, you know, they don't make them like you anymore. They don't make <laughs> men, and this is not a knock, they don't make men that can just tote it 25 times a game and just year in, year out. Emmett Smith, you know, some of those guys. They're, yeah. they're just not built like that anymore. And it's a passing game. And so, you know, you could go find James Robinson when he came to Jacksonville and he put up over a thousand yards and he was a free agent sign. I mean, you could just find these guys that can, you can get them for two years or three years. The, we know the shelf life is not long. And so Saquon, you know, wants a big deal, but he's missed parts of two seasons, including one where it's a torn ACL. Brees Hall is on his way to winning rookie of the year. Yeah. Played seven games last year, Carl. Like, it's just a tough, tough game for any kind of running back to get longevity. Yeah. Um, speaking of running backs, Cowboys are talking about potentially bringing back Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I just want to address this, and let's talk about the Cowboys for a second, because Mike McCarthy's going to call the plays. Dak threw the most interceptions last year of anybody, you know, missing, what, five games, I believe it was, Baldy. And now you don't have Ezekiel Elliott, who you've said on this podcast time and time again, great 
just like you just talked about Dalvin, at picking up blitzes, blocking, protection, which is a big part of the running back position. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm not knocking it. Pollard. I think Pollard is more explosive right now than Zeke was, and this makes sense. But what sense would it make for the Cowboys to bring him back only just, you know, for a cheaper cost and, and just because of what he is in the locker room, even if they're really entertaining that? And I don't know if they are, but that's the rumor that's out there. Well, I think it's a strong rumor. I really do. I believe there's legs to this rumor. And here's why. Like, like look, Tony Pollard's making north of $10 million, and, and so is Zeke. They can't pay two guys at that position. You can play a backup quarterback if you're – possibly, but you can't. It's hard to pay two wide receivers right. elite money right now. Um, so that's that. Now, could Zeke take a lower, a, a lower pay structure – and make it up in incentives. That's that's an option. The guy ran for 12 touchdowns last year, Carl. Like, like he's still a productive player. He finishes drives. You want him out there on Wednesday in practice after a tough game on Sunday or Monday night. You just want him. Like he just he, you know, he's just one of these guys. I mean, he's he likes the game. And Jerry likes him a lot. And so I believe now, I'm sure he's gonna sit out there and see what the situation is and if there's injuries, training camp, whatever, even to start the season, I mean, Zeke could come in and he could get picked up on Wednesday. He could start for you on Sunday. Like, he's just – I think he could do that kind of thing. Um, but we saw we, – look, we, we've seen this with the Chargers. Like, there's just they're, – they're just not going to pay some of these guys elite money. And so these, these running backs have got to realize that this is the economics of the game right now. And it's not – a lack of respect or anything else. It's just economics and metrics. And it's just hard. I mean, the, I, I was at the Eagles mini camp last week and they've got a stable of running backs. They're six deep. Sirianni talked about it yesterday. Kennedy Brooks, you know, Rashad Penny, uh, DeAndre Swift, Boston Scott, Kenneth wow. Gainwell. I mean, yeah. they're six deep. They all can play. They're going to cut a good running back in that team. So, you know, Zeke has to realize what's in front of him if he wants to keep playing. He's not going to make $12 million. Not going to happen. But at a lower cost and maybe incentive laden, he could become a cowboy. And I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him do it because we don't know a Pollard. I don't, Tony Pollard has never touched the ball 200 times in a year, ever. Memphis, Dallas, ever. Sure. And that's what they're going to ask him to do this year. So speaking of the Cowboys, I think right now, Baldy, it's Eagles. Just based on roster, guys, all right? We haven't gotten to the schedule yet. Eagles, Cowboys in that division, right? And everybody else. I think the Giants probably and then then Washington. But let's talk about the Cowboys offense for a second. They add, what, Brandon Cooks. CeeDee Lamb is there. We just talked about Pollard. What do you think about their O-line? Because how much does that factor into how Dak is going to play now with McCarthy calling the plays? Uh, we, we mentioned this a, week, a couple of weeks back, guys, at I think Mike McCarthy said they sat down and watched every pass from Dak and all the interceptions. And he basically was asking Dak, why did you throw that? What did you do there? And they went through all of this. And that's, you know, just work in the film room. But, Baldy, what, what about their old line and how important that is to the success of this offense? Because I thought they had a really good offense going into that San Francisco game, and then they didn't really do anything. Well, they didn't score a touchdown, Carl. It's hard to win playoff games you don't score a touchdown. They settle for field goals. Um, it was a good game. I went back and watched that game. It was a good game for three quarters. They just couldn't, they couldn't finish drives. You know, they lost two starting tackles last year, Carl. You lose Terrence Steele, they're starting right tackle. You lose Tyron Smith. You bring in 
Jason Peters. I mean, you're just trying to – you got a rookie in Tyler Smith. He's going, uh, you know, left guard, left tackle. I mean, he's ju- being juggled. But I like him a lot. Uh, he's got to cut down his penalties. But, you know, they're going to get those two starting tackles back. I don't care what team. Pick the Eagles. Pick the 49ers. Give me a team. Take away the two starting tackles. And let me know how your quarterback plays. Now, I'm not putting that on Dak. Dak made some some fundamental errors last year. I will say this. Like, if you give me a healthy Tyron Smith, then we got to see. He, there's injuries to start to add and accumulate there. Um, you, you give me Terrence Steele back, who was a really free agent kid out of Texas Tech, but he's gotten better every year. And I think he could be a, a good right tackle in the league. Um, you give me your, your starting tackles back. This C.D. Lamb. Like, I just broke down every catch of his last year. Carl. He had over 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns. He's gotten better each succeeding year. He's gotten better. Like, he is a number one wide receiver. Like, first of all, he's as tough as Texas shoe leather. Like, I mean, like, over the middle, he'll take every hit. He gets right up. Not one of these guys that gets up slow. He gets right up. He can take an, a beating over the middle. He just keeps going. He can run routes. He can play outside. He can play inside. I mean, he might get 1,500 yards this year. He's just that good. And he's got great hands. Now, you add Brandon Cooks to the equation, who's got speed, consistent, you know, very consistent player. I think they get better. I think they get a chance. And I think Mike McCarthy is a very good play caller. He's had the number one offensive football in Green Bay. Like, he knows what it's supposed to look like. Um, I think he did himself a disservice. And part of it was, look, Kellen Moore was there. When he was hired, they just handed the reins to Kellen to keep calling plays. But Mike's been around this game a long time. He's you know, he's been there with Joe Montana in Kansas City. Like, yeah. you know, he's he's been to San Francisco with Alex Smith. I mean, he's been all over. He's been with Brett Favre, um, Aaron Rodgers. So I, I, I think Dak is going to benefit by having Mike in his ear calling plays. And I think the, I think I think this is going to be a good football team, really good team. And they'll battle the Eagles. I think, you know, that those would be some legendary battles this week, this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm just – I'm going to quote Ric Flair, right? To be the man, you've got to beat the man. The man yeah. right now are the Eagles, right? The Eagles yeah. are sitting there. They said, hey, we went to the Super Bowl. We, we did what we needed to do. So I'm with you, though. I, I can't wait to those matchups on Sunday between those two teams, you know, when they play twice in the East. Let's talk about their defense, though, Baldy. Micah Parsons – He's got the footage out there. He's training in Austin or where the hell he is. He's running these, you know, these short shuttle runs, and he's showing how quick and fast he is. And then he comes out and says, yeah, I want to play like eight positions and be all over the field. We know he's special. What else can he do? How is Dan Quinn going to achieve that? And then the back half of this defense was a problem last year, right? And then they went and got Gilmore. Diggs is there. I think they're improved on the back half of this defense. No question. I mean, they were a corner short. You know, they had injuries at that position last year. Deron Bland came in as a rookie, and, you know, he he patchworked it. But, you know, Trayvon Diggs, at least for him, had a down year as far as numbers. <clears throat> they they um, But they were still at the top of the leaderboard with uh, takeaways. In fact, nobody's even close to the Cowboys under Dan Quinn, taking them all the way the last two years. And Mike is a big part of it, the pressure that he applies. Um, I think – Mozzie Smith is going to help this defense, you know, the, the defense tackle out of Michigan. Um, you know, Mike is coming on with me next week in the NFL Network. We're going to do some Baldy's breakdowns with Mike on TV. I'm looking forward to it. You know, he doesn't have an interception. Like, he doesn't sleep good at night. 
when he gets the hand <laughs> on the ball. He goes, he's just one of these guys. Like, I could have had that pick. Like, yeah. those are the things. He could go get two and a half sacks in a game, a forced fumble. And if he drops interception, that's all he's thinking about. He's he, that type of player. I think this defense, the safety position is very good. Donovan Smith is a star that people don't talk about. He is a good player. Um, third year under Dan Quinn, and I do believe Michael will be all over the place. Okay. Uh, because I, think, I just think you got to maximize his talents. And so he's going to be stronger and bigger this year. It should be – it should – cause problems off the edge more than he's already created, which is to me, he's the number one disruptor in this whole business right now. Um, and that's not taking anything away from Max Crosby or Nick Bosa or TJ or anybody else. Like he's just a disruption. Um, I call, I call him the MPP, the Micah Parsons problem. So, um, <laughs> but I, but I, but I, I think, I think this defense has everything it takes to be really good. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, and it's funny because uh, when when Quinn got to Dallas, he talked about changing some things up. You know, it, that cover three, right, that they they ran in Seattle, and then everybody else kind of adapted to that. And, and you really didn't bring pressure. You needed your front four guys to bring pressure to kind of be successful there. And he talked about, you know, changing some things up. And you see he's blitzing more in Dallas. You talk about the turnovers. They're creating turnovers. So – I think and we talk about coaches evolving. I think Dan Quinn has done that from the defensive side to, hey, I really like what we do here with this cover three, but how can we evolve it and make it better? But, you know, Baldy, you still have to have dudes, right? You got to have players. And he's got some dudes on defense, which helps. Well, you know, I wish people could sit down with Stephon Gilmore and just see how smart of a player he is. I mean, from reading routes to understanding situations to knowing when to gamble to like just, just literally disrupting the play at the line of scrimmage. Um, like he is a difference maker. Now there's not many corners that have been the defensive player of the year. Right. Like he's that, I mean, that's, that ability is real. And I don't think like he never missed a game in his career at South Carolina. He's missed very few games in the NFL. I know he did have a couple injuries at Carolina, but he, he's largely been a very healthy player. He knows how to take care of himself. Like he's going to make everybody in that secondary better because of his, just his overall intelligence and how he looks at the game. I remember told him, uh, I remember him telling me one time I was watching him against Daniel Jones and uh, he drops this interception should have been a pick six. And the thing that upset him the most wasn't the drop, which, which it did, but it's like, look, Baldy, I did everything right. I read the route. I knew the situation. I knew what Daniel Jones was going to, and I dropped the freaking ball. Mm. Like, I, everything I did preparation-wise to put myself into that position, I did right. The easy thing, I did wrong by not by dropping the ball. So, something, you know, that's just uh, a, that's just one player. They, a lot of them feel that way. But, but Gilmore brings that type of a mentality to your defense. It was a good signing by them. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes in the huddle. Jason Lock on four, a part of this podcast as well. Guys, like us, subscribe. Make sure you don't miss an episode as we talk about all things this offseason. Yesterday, Baldy, uh, Frank Wright comes out and says, he's our QB number one. Of course, we're talking about Bryce Young, who was the number one overall pick in the draft. I don't think it's a surprise, but, you know, you have to make this announcement so there's no – you know, speculation about what's going on. Andy Dalton's there. And again, great veteran to have a great guy to, to lean on. 
but this is Bryce Young's team. And yesterday, Frank Reich was saying this is the next step for him. What are you hearing out of Carolina with Bryce? I know it's early. I, I know they loved him in the draft process. They talked about, you know, his processing and all of the things that they thought were important. What are you hearing about Carolina and Bryce? So, you know, they, they traded up, obviously, with Chicago to go from nine to one. And I believe, despite things that we heard during the draft process, that that's who they wanted from the beginning. Now, you know, David Tepper, the owner, like you've been trying to get that position fixed. They were interested in Deshaun Watson. They were interested in a lot of guys. They wanted a guy that they could build around the way Jacksonville is with Trevor, the way Cincinnati is, you know, with Joe Burrow, you know, the way Kansas City is with Pac. They wanted their version of that. And I believe when they made the trade, they already knew who they wanted. They had to go do their diligence. They had to put the, the you know, the game face on. But I believe that's who they wanted. Then they had to find out. You know, and they've got all these guys involved in that offense right now. Josh McCown. I mean, all these guys are involved. And so you 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 wanted to see, could he handle the NFL playbook? Let's give him the playbook. Let's let him spit out plays. Let's put him in situations and walkthroughs and OTAs and all this stuff. Let's just see how he handles the volume that you got to be able to handle. Some guys can do it. Andrew Luck did it right away in Indianapolis. Um Matt Ryan did it right away in Atlanta. Uh, you know, sometimes once you know that, there's no real reason to have to, all right, let's let's set up this derby, this quarterback derby, and let's uh let's see, let's let him earn it. I believe when he walks into that locker room, he goes into the meetings, he steps onto the field, that he's conducting himself like the leader of that team. And he's winning the respect of Taylor Moten, you know, or Ikki Aquanu, or you know, whoever's there you know, Brian Burns, you know, some of the leaders of that team, like he's earned the respect. That's Frank's job. Is he earning it? And I believe that he has done that. So it's, it's a good move by Frank. And he understands what his role is at this point in his career. And, um, and so it's to support, you know, uh, Bryce right now and to really help him in any way that he can. Baldy, do you remember uh, a specific play call? Like, Give me a play call in the huddle that you remember as a player that you ran. What did it sound like? What was the play? And what what, what were you guys doing? Whether it was running the football or throwing it. Do you remember any of these things? Yeah, or yeah. I can remember years? like um, what well, we used to run this play was based in Dallas. Basically, you know, a version of the Vince Lombardi sweep that Landry took to Dallas with them. And we called it uh, 28 uh, power of 28 Nero pinch. And so we used to run a play action pass, power 40, power 28 Nero pinch quarterback pass, you know, X post, you know, Drew Pearson to the post off a, you know, a power sweep fake to Dorsett, sell the run, you know, and hit the post to, to Drew Pearson, power 28 Nero pinch quarterback pass, uh, X post. Okay. We're, we're, we're hitting Drew Pearson to the post. Like I, that, that still resonates in my head. What uh, what was your responsibilities there? You're just no, I, mean, I, was guard, so I was pulling. I was selling the run. It was actually an easy play, you know, because Danny White or Gary Hogan, whoever the quarterback was, they were just going to fake it to a door set or, or kind of fake pitch it to him and roll out the other way and get the defense flowing and get yourself a play action pass and a chance for Pearson, you know, to split the safeties, whatever the look was. Tony Hill on the other side, probably running some kind of a dig route. You know, you're just going to highlight um, – 
you know, high, low, the safety in the middle of the field. And the reason why I say that, guys, is because if you hear these play calls in the huddle, they're so intricate, right? And, you know, the play clock's running. Coach is in your ear. <laughs> I got to get the play out. And I got to make sure everybody's – I mean, it's just the hardest thing to do, man. I mean, when we talk about the, the quarterbacks in this league right now, I mean, I just – to your point, Baldy, and that's why I bring that up. It's just so like well, I got it. You you just talked about him knowing the playbook, and we're talking about Bryce, but it's just you got to be on it. You know what I mean? Well, you do, and I, I'll just tell you a brief story. Like maybe nineteen. This is before electronics, All right. where coaches could talk to the quarterback and he had the electronics and helmet. But before that, one year in Dallas, I think it was '84, we rotated the plays in with the guards. So I was a guard. I rotated. And I, I go run the play, <clears throat> come off the field, standing next to Landry, and Landry is giving me the play, the next play, and I'm running onto the field, giving it to Danny White, wow. getting in the huddle, and going to run my play. So you guys had like, the offensive lineman had to know the plays? Huh? The offensive lineman relayed it from Landry I, to I ran the play in. Wow. I ran the play in from the sideline for a year. And then, you know, you're playing Washington and Washington, and I got to block Dave Butts and remember the play and spit it out and run onto the field. I'm like, this is – like, I got – I mean, it's too just much. a hard assignment. <laughs> like, there's got to be a better way. It's too much. All right. Uh, we talked about D-Hop. DeAndre Hopkins, he visited Tennessee. Do you think that's a real destination for him? That was one of his first visits. I think Vrabel came out and said, look, we want people who want to be here. Um I don't know if D-Hop wants to be there, but obviously he's taking these visits. We're not sure where he's going to land, guys. But right now, Baldy, there are two guys that I think could change the face of an offense. He's one of them, DeAndre Hopkins, and then now Dalvin Cook. Where are these two guys going to land? We're not sure, but what do you think about Tennessee? Is that a real landing spot for him potentially? Well, I, I think it's a potential landing spot. I mean, it's still Derrick Henry's team. Um, I think Ryan Tannehill would love to have DeAndre Hopkins. Like, you know, they missed A.J. Brown last year. Let's face right, it. I mean, right. it was, I don't care who was playing quarterback. And they played four. But, you know, it, it's a real position of need. Um, Vrabel did not want to lose A.J. Brown. You know, maybe that's the reason why the general manager got – one of the reasons why the general manager got fired during, during the season, John Robinson, I'm not sure. But – he would be a big asset to the team, but I'm, you know, DeAndre Hopkins has, you know, he had some success in Houston uh, with Billy O'Brien and with Deshaun Watson. He had a year in Arizona where they did go to the playoffs. They did have some big wins, um, but I'm sure at this stage of his career, he'd love to be in, with a real contender. Now, I think Tennessee can contend because they're going to get their defensive line back healthy. And that's the foundation of the team. I don't know if the offense line is fixed. They drafted some young guys. I don't know if Derrick Henry, you know, can put up the type of numbers that he has and they could be that type of offense anymore. But I, I, I just feel like DeAndre Hopkins at this stage, like put me on a real contender. Like, like I think Tennessee can still contend with Jacksonville, but, you know, Philadelphia, you know, it's like I don't think it's they're too rich at that position right now. He doesn't need to contend with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Yeah. But and I don't think Dallas is a good spot. But you know, if somehow Kansas City oh. said, um, 
Come on. Oh, we'd like to see you with Patrick Mahomes. Stop like, it. could the rich get any richer? <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I, I, if that happens, I mean, it's almost like it's unfair. We talk about the cheat code in video games. I mean, that's that's Mahomes is doing all of this without a guy like Hopkins, and you bring him in. Guys, he, if the ball is in his catch radius, he's catching it. Yeah. I mean, this dude is catching the ball. Like, in one hand. Well, no you got Kelsey. You got Kelsey inside. You'd have oh. Hopkins outside. You'd have all these other guys, you know, um, that are, you know, auxiliary pieces. You know, Sky Moore. I mean, all these young guys um, that are on the roster that you know have a role. But ultimately, you know, with the way Mahomes sees the field, you know, look, they they won a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill. People didn't think that was possible. Well, yeah. Mahomes is just that good. You give him a true X, um, boy, good luck trying to defend that offense. All right, Baldy, I'm excited about next week because you get a chance to go visit one of my favorite places. I absolutely love Mike T. Mike Tomlin, Steelers coach. Um, I think he's the second longest tenured coach right now in the NFL. Um, him, Pete Carroll are behind, obviously, Bill Belichick. Um, but just the way that he goes about his business. And you're going to have a chance to be up – with the Steelers, that division, guys, and we'll get into this next week, but I just want to preview this quickly, Baldy. But, you know, we talked about Lamar coming back and the Ravens and what they've done, new offensive coordinator and Todd Munkin. Obviously, Joe Burrow, Joe's Joe, right? I mean, like, we don't have to discuss that now and what Cincinnati is going to be. Um, and then you go, wait a minute, well, what about Cleveland? And all I'm hearing out of Cleveland is that Deshaun Watson has been sharp. He looks good. And then you've got Nick Chubb coming out and saying, hey, I'm dedicating my season to Jim Brown. And I'm going, oh, great. That's all you need is a motivated Nick Chubb. So that division is going to be something else. But next week, you get a chance to visit with the Steelers. I, I can't wait to hear what, what Mike T.S. is saying, you know, what, what you think about Kenny Pickett. And you said this. They improved their offensive line in this draft, didn't they? Well, free agency, too. I mean, they brought in Isaac Salmalo and Nate Herbig, you know, play guard, competed guard. Semalo is an elite player, um, as smart as I mean, as smart an offense lineman you're going to get. Uh, but you know, he, he's 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 what you want at right guard. Like that's you just plug and play. And you know, obviously, they went out and you know drafted themselves, jumped up in front of New England, drafted themselves Broderick Jones, who he's 21 years old, Carl. He's wow. 21 years old, and he's 325 pounds, and he looks like he's a skinny power forward. <laughs> you know, I mean, the guy's going to fill out. I mean, they that was a big priority. Um, I I was in Latrobe last summer for Steelers training camp, and I'm, I'm in like the, the main office, you know, and I'm looking, you know, for a friend of mine who's, you know, assistant GM, whatever. And Tomlin shows up and he sees me and he's like, you know, I've known him since he was a defensive back coach in Tampa uh, with Tony Dungy and, you know, all that group, Lovey Smith. And so, he, he, he says, you, you came to a good day, Baldy. We're, we're getting after it. In fact, I want you to tell me, like, am I just, uh, you know, am I a dinosaur? Because this practice was full speed, full contact. Wow. I'm, I'm watching T.J. Watt taking down, you know, Najee Harris to the ground. Sure, sure. You know, I mean, it's every drill. And Mike T is just, he's running, you know, he's everywhere. He's talking to punt returners. He's talking to his rookie linebacker, Mark Robinson. He's, you know, he's, he's got, he's in everybody's ear. He's he's just like he's what to me what coaching is all about communicating mm -hmm. motivating innovation like having fun 
like he just knows how to rally the troops, uh, you know, to never have a losing season. And they've had to transition from a Hall of Fame quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger to where they're at now with Kenny Pickett. Like, I can't wait to get there this week just to see what he's like because I feel like anybody that loves football would, A, love Mike Tomlin. And if you had a chance to be on the sideline during any practice, you would learn so much football. And that's really what I'm there to do, just absorb. Yeah. Um, it, it, his coaching tree, and and we'll talk a little bit about this next week, but his coaching tree and the guys he's connected with in the league and guys that I know, like I said this to you, everybody loves my team. Like there's not one person I've ever ran into in the NFL that went, man, let me tell you, Mike Tomlin, none of that. Like it, I, yeah. I never got yeah. It's always been Mike T. I was there a year. I was there five. I was there two. Best time I ever had. Let me tell you this about it. And that is a cool thing about coaching is that connection you get, right, with players and how when guys leave, for whatever reason, it's the NFL, that they still have that love, respect, and admiration for you. That's what he gets. That, that's well, what he gets. You know, the thing about Mike, you know, he's got, you know, he's got family, you know, he's got sons, he's got, you know, I think he's got three kids. You know, obviously the family's a family, the wife. But he doesn't have any other interests, Carl. Like, he's, he's not out there on the golf course. You know, he's not out there, like, you know, on a speaking tour. Like, he just wants to coach. That's yeah. it. Like, there's no other hobbies. There's no other interest. Like, remember when they were coming after him a couple of years ago about these college openings? And oh, yeah. he just finally just sat. He just, like, I just want to address this once and for all. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm the Steelers coach. I'm not interested in any of these other jobs. I'm not, I'm not recruiting. I did that when I was at, you know, I don't know, Cincinnati or William right. & Mary, whatever. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm the Steelers head coach, and I'm not going anywhere. And it's just like, that's it. That's what Mike Tomlin wants to do. He just wants to coach, which is the way it should be. I agree. Baldy, great stuff. Next week, guys, we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about that division. We're also going to cover a couple of other things that are looming right now as we get to mandatory minicamp. I think it's 21 teams next week, guys, that go to mandatory minicamp. Uh, from nine, I think it's nine this week and then 21 next week. Let me just address one thing because I don't know if we did this in the last podcast. You know, the Jets canceled next week's mini camp, and so people were like, Oh, well, what's going on? You know, they're speculating. I'm listening to the speculation. I'm like, Look, I they're they play the Hall of Fame game this year, Carl, and so they're going to camp a week earlier than anybody else. They're playing four preseason games, not three. Okay, and so they're just using that week, that extra week in training camp to get ready for the Hall of Fame game as their minicamp. And so that's what, you know, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, they decided, look, we don't need to be on the field any longer. We've gotten a lot done. We're going to camp earlier than anybody else in this whole league. And so that's that's why they canceled next week's minicamp. All right, that makes sense. I think that game is like August 3rd, so it's really yeah. early, right? Makes total sense. Brian Baldinger, follow Baldy. Carl Dukes with you. Jason Lockham for a part of this podcast as well, guys. It's in the huddle. Subscribe. Check us out on YouTube. Tell your friends and like us. Everybody have a great weekend. We're back at you next week. Lots more football conversation. Everybody have a great day. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 